Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. You can see on the screen that our, our topic for today is Jesus' jobs. Jesus' jobs. And we see a number of them in the three readings that we have for today. And so as we think about Jesus' jobs and that there are many of them, I, I'd like you to think about your own jobs that you've had in life. And I've got a little partial list from my life, so here's some of them. I have bailed hay. Walk to the beans, which is different than walking the dog, okay? Because if you hook up the beans and carry them, they don't live any longer. So you actually have to walk down the rows of beans and get all the weeds out. Then I've also watered the livestock, was a telemarketer for one day. <laughs> Pizza delivery man, salesman, selling Zep products, Kirby vacuum cleaners. That didn't last very long either. Industrial alloys, uh, worked in a bagel store, lots of jobs. Can you think of your jobs? Some you liked and stayed with. Hopefully you stayed with all of them longer than my one-day telemarketer job. But when you know it's not for you, it's okay to leave. As we read through our readings for today, we have many different ones that we could focus on. But I'd like us to focus on one from each of the readings. And as we do so... First, I'd like us to to think about the overarching thing that Jesus does. And that is, Jesus rules. He's ruling over all. And when we think of that, what I'd like you to think of first is something I've shared with you last week, and I I want to share with you over and over and over again, because I find these things are really helpful. It comes out of a book by Henry Cloud and John, John Townsend called How People Grow. And I think the first... Uh, book outside the Bible that's been kind of a watershed moment in my life is the book Prodigal God by Timothy Keller. Just an awesome book to help me kind of get it and understand. This book, How People Grow, is another one of those that has the potential of being a watershed moment book for, for me. I'm not sure for you. But in there, it talks about three things that we need as we're going to grow. One is that we recognize God is the creator, and therefore I'm dependent on him. He's not dependent on me. Number two is that relationships are primary. So my relationship with God. Remember the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And yet, how oftentimes in our culture aren't we directed away from God and other people? Simply to look out for ourselves. And the third one is God's in charge. And so that fits perfectly with Jesus is ruling. And what is he doing as he rules? Well, first off, he's acting as the good shepherd from our Ezekiel 34 passage. And then he's acting as the judge in our Matthew 25 passage. And then he's acting as the one who delivers us from death, the one who destroys death in our epistle lesson. And we'll get there at the very end. He's the one who actually delivers the kingdom. We'll talk about that to God the Father. Now, first, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this whole idea of Jesus acting as the good shepherd. Now, there's a lot there, but Ezekiel 34 starts with talking about um, how God is going to have to be the shepherd because those who are supposed to be the shepherds of Israel, the, the priests and others, they're not doing the job. Okay? They're just not. And so because of their work, they're basically, as it says in verse 3 earlier, you eat the curds, you religious leaders, you clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. God is so angry with those religious leaders. 
They're the reason why the people were led astray. Instead of speaking the truth, follow God, love him with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and do what it, what it says, follow the law, look to your Savior, live under him. They didn't. And so the people were left to do what sheep like to do, which is stray, right? And so they sure did, and they were scattered across the world to Babylon, other places. They had experienced that exile, And God said, I'll be your shepherd. And listen to what it says in verse 16 about what he will do. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. The sleek and the strong were those religious leaders that were using the flock to get their own needs once met they would experience the judgment of that shepherd. Now, if you look at your text, if you look at verse 20, 23, it says this. So God's going to do that, right? He's going to be their God. He's going to be their shepherd. But then it says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. Only one problem with that. David died a long time ago. This is Ezekiel. So David has gone through. Then we've had Solomon. Then we've had the divided kingdom. And then all these people have gone away. It's hundreds of years after David. So what does he say when he says, David's going to be your shepherd? It means someone in the line of David. Remember how God made that promise? When David wanted to build a house for the Lord, a temple for God's, for the Ark of the Covenant, God said, no, no, no. Your son will but I'll build a house or a household out of you. I will be faithful. Unlike what I did with Saul and put him away, even if your descendants wander away from me, I will keep my promise. Isn't that the best news for us sheep who like to stray? Isn't that awesome? That in the midst of our faithlessness, our God is and always will be faithful. He will keep his promise guaranteed on the cross. Amen? Amen. And you all wanted to stop there, but it's not going to even be close yet, so we're just getting started. So that's good news for us. We delight in that because one who would come, his name is Jesus, would be the one, according to John 6, who will feed the sheep, according to John 10, who will be the good shepherd for you and for me. Guaranteed, going to happen, Jesus has that job. But then we go on to the gospel lesson. And we look there, and what we see is Jesus is judging. And what it looks like is that Jesus says, well, if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. But that's not exactly what's going on. So what we need to do is, is look at this. And if you have your field bulletin or just wish to remember, it was for us in the gospel lesson where it said this. This is the part I really want you to catch. He's going to sit in his throne one day and judge. But those on his right, verse 34, it says this, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Do you see that? Come, you who are blessed. 
not you who worked really hard, not you who made all the difference in the world for other people. Come, you who are blessed and receive or inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You've heard of this term predestination? Okay, God is predestined, but what it says right here is God is from the foundation of the world. You've been chosen in Christ to belong to God. How awesome is that? That's like fantastic news. And as those have been chosen, God's job, Jesus' job, is to lead as a good shepherd. And what's our job? To be dependent sheep. I forgot to tell you that earlier. So Jesus is the good shepherd, and we are to be dependent sheep. Would you say that those three words with me? Be dependent sheep. Okay? Just like God's the creator, so we depend on him. So if Jesus is the one who blesses us, okay, and We've been chosen in Christ from the foundation of the world. We are simply those who live in his kingdom. We live under our good shepherd. And what does that look like? Well, that's what the rest of the text talks about. Taking care of those in prison, those without clothes, those without food, those in need. We simply live out our identity as the blessed ones. We don't do it to get. We do it because we've already gotten. But now look, notice how it said in verse 34, Come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Now contrast that with verse 41. In verse 41 it says this, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Do you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say, Go to what was prepared for you. You see, because Jesus desires that all would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That message of predestination is for us, that we might be encouraged because we've been chosen. It's guaranteed it's for us. But for those who reject what God has done for them in Jesus, they will get what's been prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus will come to judge one day. And you know, we might look at that and there might be some fear. Okay. But you see, who are those who need to be afraid? Those who reject their Savior. When we say, no, 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 I'm not good enough. Remember how that, I tell you that fairly often, 1 John chapter 5, okay? When we say, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not really righteous in Jesus. I'm not forgiven. I'm not this new. Then we're saying no to what God has done for us in his son. That sounds like rejection to me. It's not being humble to say, no, I'm not forgiven. No, I'm not loved. No, I'm not precious. That's saying what Jesus did was not sufficient for you. I don't want to be one of those that say that. Do you? I don't think so. We are those who are made new in Christ and we get to be not those who are going to a place that's been prepared for the devil and his angels. We are those who will be with him living and reigning new heavens, new earth as his sheep, utterly dependent. Remember, if a wolf comes against a sheep, what does the sheep do? What defenses does it have? Run. Have you seen a sheep run? They don't run very well. They don't do much of anything all that well except for produce wool. 
and good lamb, yes. They can be pretty tasty if you like that kind of thing. However, they don't defend themselves. How many times are you and I so busy defending ourselves, trying to protect ourselves, doing all these other things? That's not really our job. Our job is to depend on Jesus. Our job is to live well as those blessed ones. That's our job. How are you doing? Have you received God's gift? Are you rejoicing in that gift? And are you realigning your life to fit under Jesus and his kingdom? Which is where we go next. We go to the epistle lesson. Another job of Jesus is that he, he is the one who brings death to death. He destroys death. And then he delivers the kingdom to his father. And for this, I want to give you a little something from The Challenge of Jesus, written by N.T. Wright. Really, really good. Really, really helpful. I like it a lot. And in this, now Jesus destroyed death, right, by dying for us. And so death now, okay, again, I'm, I'm not looking forward to how I will die. I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm not looking forward to that. But I know that death has been transformed into sleep because of Jesus. The huge roar of Satan has been turned down to a little kitten's meow. And we are free in Christ, free from the fear. But the kingdom, this is, I find this really excellent. I hope I can explain it in a way that makes sense. It goes like this. When Jesus was around that first century Judaism, there were three, probably a few more than this, but three main ideas of the kingdom, the kingdom's agenda. Number one is that of the Essenes. These were people that were separatists. They would pull off by themselves, and so they would be in a camp outside of Jerusalem or wherever, and they would be, we're God's people. We don't have anything to do with them. Okay? You might think of today, maybe the Amish people. Okay? However, the Amish people teach us a lot of good things if we just look at them and observe what they do. There's a lot of good that we can learn. But the Essenes were separatists. Then you've got the Herodians. They were the ones that said, you know what? See, Herod wasn't really a Jew. Herod was someone from Idumea, from south of, of, the, of the, the Holy Land. And he is one who got to be in power because he kind of just fit in with the Romans. They're the ruling of power. They're the ruling authority. I'm just going to fit in with them, and then I can feather my nest. I can have what I want in this world. Essenes would separate from the world. Herodians would fit in really well with the world and just fit in so I can get what I want. And the third kingdom agenda is that of the zealots. And the Pharisees would probably fit in here fairly well. And the zealots were those who said, let's win, by, let's win victory by might. What I do, I'm going to win it. Do you see how each of the groups would not like Jesus very much? Because Jesus said, no, 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 be in the world but not of it. Jesus would say, no, 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 be in the world, but not of it. And Jesus would say, no, it's not about winning through your force and power. It's about winning by laying down your life. That's the kingdom Jesus wishes to bring to his father. The kingdom, the kingly rule, that we would live under him like that. That's what it would look like to be One of those blessed ones. What does that look like? Well, again, we might struggle. Anybody struggle as they kind of act more like the world than they want to act? Guilty as charged. Okay? It's like, wow, 
I act just like the world far too often. Anybody just going to separate themselves out from the world sometimes? I'm not going to watch any of those things. I'm not going to do any of those things. And you separate yourselves from the world? You ever been in a conversation with somebody who just had to win? How pleasant was it? you just like, I just love being with that person. It's so much fun. I hope I get to spend all the time with them. And so, are there ways that we can actually learn and grow? And I want to go back to those three things I told you before. And one of them, the most important, is to relationships are primary. There's a, a study, a case study in that book, How People Grow. And it's about this pastor who struggled with sexual addiction. And this pastor went and tried and tried and tried everything he could possibly think of to get the help that he needed. Or to do what he needed to do. That's what it was. To do what he needed to do. He could never do it. He could never find himself free of that sexual addiction. And so he finally went to see Dr. Cloud and said, let, let, get me in this group and let me, let me walk and find some healing. And so as he got in the group and, and he was participating and things were going fairly well, he would be useful to other people in the group. But then one day, when they were going to have the group, he said, I just don't feel love to it. I'm not going to come today. And so Dr. Cloud went and said, well, what's going on? And he discovered that he messed up the night before. And so he didn't want to come. But Dr. Cloud said, no, no, you're calm. So he came. He sat in there. But he didn't really want to participate. And then eventually what happened was Dr. Cloud said, I'm sorry, you're going to have to participate. So he began to share about his struggle, about how difficult it was, about all that he was going through, and he never once looked up. He just kept looking down at the floor. And all the people were tears in their eyes, crying as they heard his story, how difficult it was for him. They were showing compassion and mercy. They wanted to reach out and show him that he, they accepted him in the middle of his struggles and wanted to see him thrive and get past this. Dr. Cloud said, well, look up. And he wouldn't look up. Look up. He wouldn't look up. Eventually, Dr. Cloud got him to look up and see that they weren't looking at him with judgment and condemnation, but with love and acceptance. And through that group, he found the help and the healing he needed. As we live under Jesus and his kingdom, we begin to do things God's way, not our way, as we wait for that day of judgment, that awesome day when we'll be set free to live with him, new heavens, new earth, perfection forever. But you know what that means? His way is to utilize the body of Christ, to be present without judgment against other people, to be willing to help them along and maybe saying, this is not so good for you, let's move somewhere else. How many of you would sign up today to get the help you need if somebody else had to learn about where you struggle? Yeah, I thought so. Not a whole lot of us. I wonder why that is. Part of the kingdom work, I'll just just say it this way. How many of you have been struggling for a long time with a, a certain struggle? Anybody awake out there? Hands should shoot up, right? I mean, do you really, have you gotten past all those certain struggles in life? 
I haven't. Okay, so if you got those struggles, okay, and you've been working on it yourself, how's that going? Is that going really well? You got it all figured out? You get, it's like he talks about in that book. Okay, if you don't have self-control or self-discipline, don't look inside for it because you're not going to find it there. You probably need some help from outside. And God says, don't just follow me, you on your own. He says, be part of the body of Christ. That's why we're here. And that's not why, see, one of the problems with, the, with how we're set up right here is it shouldn't be every one of you facing me. We should be in a circle. Helping each other. Yeah, but I don't know. Elaine kind of drives me crazy once in a while, so that's not true. But okay, this person drives me crazy once in a while. I can't get along with this person. Oh, maybe they're the sandpaper that your sandpaper needs to make you smooth and help you grow. Wouldn't it be awesome if we began to live under Jesus in his kingdom that way? Wouldn't it be awesome if we would welcome people to help us? and be present to help other people, not to judge them or condemn them? Just real quick, and we'll close on this. How many of you have had a judgmental thought about someone recently? Yeah, you know, that's why we don't share, right? (laughs) Because we don't want to hear all that garbage. That's where we need to repent of our judgmentalness and our attitudes and live well under the king who judged his son and place all of our sins on his shoulders that we might be free. Sheep who will live and reign with him forever. Amen?